Welcome to the Breakfast with Champions podcast, where every day we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential. You can check us out at bwcdaily.com. On this show, we feature celebrity interviews as well as experts and leaders in fields like business, marketing, sales, branding, and mindset. Our goal is to give you a seat at the table to listen in on conversations with some of the most amazing people around the world, people who are doing the things you know you can do and reaching the levels you know you can reach. So get ready to be motivated and inspired and grab your seat at the table for the Breakfast with Champions podcast. And don't forget to check us out at bwcdaily.com. Good morning, my friends. Uh, welcome to Breakfast with Champions. My name is Brad Caldwell. I am a brand strategist, multiple-time CEO, and a keynote speaker here in beautiful Wilmington, North Carolina. If you want to learn more about my work, head over to This Is Brand Strategy. Dot com, or you can click the link that has been cleverly added right here at the top of the page. For today's segment, we are going to be talking about six lessons to learn from silence. If you miss anything from today's show or our entire day of host segments, you are in luck. First, the Breakfast with Champions podcast with hundreds, now well over a thousand of episodes from leaders all around the world in dozens of industries can be found wherever you would normally download a podcast from. Second, is the daily replay. Breakfast with Champions hosts six hours of programming Monday through Saturday, along with partnership rooms throughout the week. And those entire days are recorded and made available for you in the Breakfast with Champions Clubhouse group page. So follow that. That would be the house at the top of the screen, little greenhouse. Finally, bwcdaily.com, a concise, unique take on the day in Breakfast with Champions by a handful of brilliant copywriters. It's a quick recap of the day, complete with email and online options. Check it out as soon as you can, bwcdaily.com. If you miss anything that I say or Glenn has said or any of the previous or the forthcoming speakers, sometime later this afternoon, you have the opportunity to receive an email from bwcdaily.com, which will give you a recap of everything we've said. And I always like reading other people's words, making me sound smarter. And I appreciate that. Now on with the segment this morning. Oh, yeah. And you need to share the room. Share the room. You got Barb Majeski coming up after me. Brian Benstock coming up after that. You got lots of really good things still to come this day in Breakfast with Champions. Okay. Now to the segment. I got it done now. For those that don't celebrate Christmas, this might be a slightly Christmas-heavy segment, but it's Christmas Eve. So please forgive me. I promise I will bring it around to leadership as quickly as possible. Um, I always do in this segment. That said, this past week, my family went to a Christmas service at our church. Carols, sermon, worship, all the good stuff in the, in the message. My friends, two guys I used to work with in a previous career when I was in ministry, uh, they are the pastors of our church. We've kind of all migrated from the Raleigh area to the Wilmington area, and now they are my pastors, which is a lot of fun to see my friends up there being pastors. And, and so it was a great service. But it also had my two youngest sons, I have three boys, my youngest two are eight and three, um, sing a few songs with the children's choir. And as you can expect, it was insanely precious. My three-year-old Benjamin was the youngest kid on stage by far, and he was that kid. Slightly grumpy when he walked up on stage, not quite sure what to do, where to stand, or what to do with his hands. And 
then once he spotted his oldest brother, my 13 year old, almost 14 now, Parker and me and my wife and my mother-in-law, he started waving like a crazy person. And then he seemed to just perpetually be a few beats behind every single motion he was supposed to be doing. So when the kids would lift their hands, his hands would be down. Then as soon as they'd put their hands down, his hands would go up. It was perfect. It was awesome. And then we closed the service with kind of an acapella version of Silent Night. And that is my favorite Christmas hymn, probably my favorite Christmas song. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? I'm not I'm not much of a Christmas music fan. Oh, Holy Night. Oh, that's a see, that's a good one. Little so drummer good. boy, David Bowie, Bing Crosby. I love it. <laughs> Love a David Bowie Love reference. David Bowie reference. Yeah. Grandma got ran yeah. over by a reindeer. Joy <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the world. This, this is quality content. We're all over the place. I love the diversity of Breakfast with Champions because we have David Bowie, somebody was at church, grandma got hit by a vehicle, and now Joy to the world. Um, welcome uh, to Breakfast with Champions. brings back so many childhood memories. Right. Which one, Glenn? Grandma Which got, one, Glenn? Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. My grandma used to hate that song. So my grandpa <laughs> would play it every year. And it just brings back so all bad. the child memories so of us bad. laughing or laughing around the Christmas holiday. That's, that's awesome. My mom hates the progressive commercials about people becoming their parents. And I've told her it's easily now become the, the oldest thing she's ever done because it's making fun of old people. My mom's not old, right? Our parents aren't old. They don't get old. Um, so yeah, we're gonna, I, I'll bring it up at Christmas and I'll get in trouble. So um, of all the Christmas songs, of all of them, of the massive pantheon of Christmas songs, nothing quite gets to me like Silent Night. And it's not that elaborate of a song, but it's actually deeply theological. So I'm going to take you guys on a super fast theological journey. It's going to be really quick, I promise. Hang in there if this is not your jam. But I do have a couple degrees in this stuff. I used to be a pastor, and I promise it will have practical application to you as a leader. I promise. So we often place the story of Silent Night, of that hymn, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Real. We make it a cold, quiet night in Bethlehem. And I have no idea. It might have been. I don't know. I've been to Bethlehem. Not a lot of cold nights, but okay, maybe it was cold. I don't know. But there's a much more significant silence that had been happening. Christians, if you're a part of that narrative, refer to the 400-year period between Malachi's last prophecy, so the last book of the Old Testament, and the preaching of John the Baptist, which happens around 25 A.D., as the intertestamental period, 400 years, centuries long of silence from God, no prophets, no prophecies, no words from the Lord. And you got to remember whether you are of the Jewish faith, of the Islamic faith, of the Christian faith, or you're just casually aware of Jewish history, the entire thrust of the Jewish story of the nation of Israel is God's leadership. God revealing, God speaking like out loud, God sending someone to speak by proxy, God showing, God doing miracles, crazy stuff. And then Malachi says his last prophecy, ironically about a coming savior, and God goes radio silent. 
centuries long of no communication and not a warning. Hey, it's about to get quiet. That wasn't Malachi's last prophecy. It wasn't like, hey, everybody, hold on a beat. For the next several generations of humanity, God's going to be quiet. 400 years of silence, Israel seemingly left to fend for themselves. They endured Persian rule, which was the rule they were under when Malachi spoke his last written word that we have record of. And Persia gave Israel a bit of relig religious freedom. They didn't really care. And then this guy named Alexander, Greek fella, he conquered the Persian Empire and so inherited Israel. And he was very, very big into Greek culture, so he offered a little bit less religious freedom. And then through a handful of revolutions and revolts and all kinds of stuff, smaller rulers whose names you wouldn't recognize held fairly severe religious persecution for Israel until Rome captured Israel, which led to the rule of the Caesars and the institution of two religious political groups one very education-based, one very government-based. You would know them as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So all of those nations, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, all occurred during this intertestamental, intertestamental between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And no one's heard from God. And that's the silence that Jesus's birth broke. All the prophecies up to that point fulfilled in an instant. All the promises of salvation from affliction and suffering and desolation broke the silence of a regular night in Israel. Shepherds were just shepherding. They weren't waiting. Farmers weren't knelt down to pray because they knew that was the hour. Nope, they were farming. Innkeepers were keeping. Rulers were ruling. The status quo was being marched out like it had been every day since long before Rome had taken over. And a baby broke the silence, the promise of a thing, a whisper of hope, a prophecy fulfilled. So why was God, for those that believe in the Christian story, so silent for so long? What was he waiting for? Why let Israel go from captive to free to captive again, and then repeat that a couple more times? I think God was waiting for the right time, and it wasn't time yet. He was waiting for the right family, and they weren't alive yet. The right government, and it wasn't in place yet. The Rome, when Malachi last spoke, is what we all refer to as ancient Rome, organized completely differently than the Rome we get a lot of our governing from, that the Rome, that's the Rome that Jesus grew up in. He was waiting for the right community in Bethlehem and in Nazareth. He was waiting for the right shepherds and the right apostles. And God used the most powerful vehicle for his waiting. He used silence. If you've known me any length of time, I struggle to practice silence. I get worked up and I get loud. I voice my opinion. I say my piece. I take to social media. I call a friend. I tell my wife. And I think a big part of our collective struggle with silence is that you and I cannot wait. We can't wait. We cannot wait on timing or community 
or finances or faith or for the chips to fall where they may or for the pieces to fit together or for whatever else matures during seasons of silence. But as the last couple months have come charging for me in my business and in my life and at home, I wondered what I might be missing through all of the noise I keep around me. Hear that. Hear that, my friends. Most of the noise that we have in our lives is the noise we keep around us. Some of it's the noise I create. Some of it's the noise of life that I allow too much proximity to my head and my heart. But for most of us, a lot of the noise that we seemingly keep pushing away, we're also pulling back in. So today I wanna to spend a few minutes asking how we can learn and lead from silence so that when we break those silent nights, the worlds of our relationships and businesses take note. So here are six lessons to learn from silence. Number one, silence is a teacher. I used to be a fairly good student, like borderline nerdy. Thank God for baseball. Because otherwise I was just a kid who could sing and took dance and made good grades. I liked to study, I loved learning. Was always interested in fields that I knew nothing about just because it was interesting to me. I wanted to know how an engine worked, but I didn't want to be a mechanic. I wanted to know how you built buildings, but I didn't care about actually becoming an architect or a contractor. And then I guess, I guess I grew up or maybe I just got older and I started listening to the relationships that I had, not the ones I hoped to build. And I listened to the jobs that I had, not the careers that I dreamed of. I listened to the news and to unsolicited advice. And I listened to people that I never properly vetted. And then I got jaded by bad reports, bad advice, and bad results. You've been there. I stopped learning because I was so busy listening to all the noise around me. According to a medical review from 2016 by the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, noise keeps us distracted from learning. Devices, they were talking about this six, seven years ago, devices are training us to hear and learn less. Concentration is becoming more difficult. The last couple of months have had some significant challenges professionally and personally, and I'm an emotional guy. I can feel the overwhelm as it begins to overwhelm me. You, ever, you feel that? Like I am, I can feel it. And somewhere between my own sickness, just dealing with, I don't know, the weather, I don't know. The loss of a friend a few weeks ago, holiday planning, which stresses me out, losing clients for Spark, a bad car accident just this past Sunday. Horrifying car accident my entire family was in. We're all fine and safe, and the other person's okay too. That they walked away, it's amazing. And then this week's just been a challenging week. I stopped everything couple months ago. While others traveled to some place or some gathering or wanted to have a meeting, get the last thing of Q4 in, I sat down. Sometimes I laid down. And in those very intentional moments of silence, I got the beginnings of a plan or two. I learned that if I'm going to go sit down and really truly be quiet, 
maybe have a pad nearby. Something might just pop into my head and I need to jot that down and then go back to silence. I thought more clearly about how to talk, just talk to my wife and my sons. Nothing wrong. I've got a great marriage and wonderful children, but I thought more clearly about how to communicate to them. I determined in those moments of silence who I needed to call. I determined for myself when it was best to think and rest and pray and not all at the same time. That's noise. I was silent and I was still and in that silence, I learned. Because silence is an excellent teacher. Number two, silence calms. I used to play a lot of baseball. I mentioned that a second ago. I would tell you that this is true in all sports, but I really just played baseball. I was on the basketball team. I ran a little bit of track. It was not impressive. I'm a baseball player. So whether I was pitching or hitting or playing a fielding position, I love third base. There was always this one beat, this one moment, this just second. And I would breathe. I would calm myself. Nothing was wrong. I just needed the calm. And that calm was always preceded by something I did that I never had to think about. In baseball terms, it was the stance that I held just before the wind up to pitch. You know, like when the pitcher's got the ball on his back hip and he is leaning in, looking at the catcher, getting the sign. Once the sign's been communicated, there's just that quick. And now you set, you throw. Or that moment you go from on deck to the batter's box, that short, what is that, 10, 15 feet of a walk? Calm. Or for me, I had this ritual that I learned at a baseball camp about how to get into fielding position and be in the right position every single time. So I would walk backwards five or six steps and then start walking forward as the pitcher started to wind up. And in that walk, I would breathe and then fall into position. I did those things without even thinking about them. I'd done them tens of thousands of times. No distraction. Everything a bit more silent around me and calm, even if for a second. Because we don't need calm when it's loud. We just need calm. And leader, we need that moment of calm in our leadership. Some of us are not going to get hours or days of calm. That's just not practical. It's a ridiculous expectation. But when you're driving into work, turn the radio off just for a second. When you're walking to the coffee pot, whether it's in your house or in your office, or you gotta walk past 20 cubicles, breathe deeply just for a second. There are endless places in your day to take a beat to have that quiet second. So if you aren't finding them, it's simply because you're not looking for them. You have moments of pressure every day. Some are big, others are normal. Bring a calm beat to them this week. Allow even a second of silence to calm you wherever you are. Because, number three, silence breeds creativity. Got a lot of creatives in the room. We've got speakers, thinkers, artists, designers, 
people who have built things from nothing, people who have built things from an idea, people who had a coffee that turned into a company. We've got some creative minds. Did you know that Einstein and Newton, Albert Einstein, Sir Isaac Newton, openly prided themselves on working alone? But if you think about what they actually did for a living, they weren't building anything. They weren't, they weren't writing annotations for textbooks. Nope. Their work would be in every textbook forever, but that's not what they were doing. Their work was largely theoretical. So what were they really doing all the time? They were in silence, listening, thinking. And then from that, learning, theorizing, and noting. Now, I'm not telling you that all silence leads to the solitude that these great thinkers lived out, but maybe. Maybe it's just an opportunity for you to take the excellence that you currently walk in and elevate it just a little. Could you imagine if there's a couple seconds every day that you could take that would elevate the excellence you currently walk in and you're just not taking it because you're not looking for it. So instead you're incessantly looking for the right song on the radio or you're distracted by frustration on the way to the cup of coffee. And instead you could just breathe and elevate your whole game. Because ideally you would find yourself in this healthy silo of thoughtfulness. You know, the silo, just that long tower of just thoughtfulness. Get comfortable with the creative fruit that it might be breeding. If you find yourself in silence, don't escape. The noise will tell you when it's time to listen to something else. But I think, leader, it's pivotal. I think it's pivotal because of number four. Awareness and patience are rooted in silence. Have you ever met a loud person that was self-aware or patient? I haven't, not to my knowledge. Even more rare is to find a distracted person that is actually a high-level leader. And if you've noticed in these first three lessons, I'm taking us someplace. I'm trying to move us away from the personal needs for silence, which are important, maybe even imperative, but I'm trying to take us into the professional needs for silence. But in order to activate an understanding of need here, I need you focused on you and the things around you. I need you seeing clearly. No workplace conspiracies or all-consuming worries about things you cannot change. Less complaints or openly frustrated moments or blow-ups. I can think of a lot that can be most easily achieved through silence. I think a lot of what we're looking for in our professional lives isn't in pole position or competition, backbiting, name calling, controversy, conspiracy, openly frustrated moments. Instead, it's found in the excellence that is often akin to our capacity for silence. I find myself in this season of the last couple months to be a much more tolerant man when I'm regularly practicing silence. 
I find myself more patient. I'm less anxious. I can clearly see wonderful little areas where I can improve me. I got frustrated uh, just before Thanksgiving and I popped off in the way that only mature, grown leaders of companies do on Facebook. That's a joke. I mean, it really did happen, but it is a joke. And I immediately regretted it. But I am not the guy. I don't ever want to be the guy who deletes a post so people can screenshot the one time I said that one thing and bring it back. No, just leave it up there. Leave it up there. And that was right kind of at the beginning point of this really difficult season. And since then, and not really that moment, that moment was indicative of some other things. I've been a good bit more silent lately. Silence has a way of refining us to be more patient men and women as we grow in our own self-awareness and that goes right into leadership. So let's talk about leadership just a little more this morning. Number five, silence is a listening tool. I have found over the last couple months that I'm a better listener. Confrontation, agreement, something I didn't know anything about, something I thought I was the expert in. And at first I noticed it, but it never occurred to me that my newly developing habit of silence might be feeding my newly increased capacity to listen. But I've been patiently working on hearing me and I ignore me all the time. And I've been tuning out distractions and I'm always distracted and somewhere between the patience to hear my own heart and the determination to ignore foolish noise, I become a better listener. I'm listening to what people are trying to say and that makes my questions better. I'm listening to hear problems and concerns well before I offer up a solution and that builds trust and communication. I'm listening to give someone my attention, not my advice. And that builds relationship, listening for the leader is a superpower. And we cannot afford to have our teams and staff and colleagues simply hope we're listening. They should know it. They should depend on it. Have every confidence that we are the leaders and partners and teammates that always listen. And if you want to learn better listening, begin with silence. Number six, there are a host of silent leadership skills. 
Now, I don't mean you have to be silent all the time, but I mean there are things that leaders do, and I am learning this very acutely, that if you would just be quiet for a moment, practice it professionally, you're going to find a whole new skill set. Because silence isn't always in isolation. Sometimes we think silence means I'm by myself. That's not, that's not true, leader. If, if you're like me, uh, there's a couple companies, there's a handful of clients, there's three children and a wife. I oversee two networking organizations You're right here in Wilmington. It's very rarely that I'm isolated. It's super rare. But you can still be silent. And as we become leaders that are better practitioners of silence, it inevitably impacts our leadership. Just this past week, early in the week, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm dealing with the car accident. I was called into a meeting for a client's leadership team. Often in branding and marketing, you get pulled in to just listen to the way people talk the way people communicate internally and externally about their brand. And you're supposed to advise and help and craft messages and point people in a direction toward the goals of the company and the brand. It's what I do for a living. But as this practice of silence has developed, I found that I am more aware than ever of my gestures, my eyes, my posture, and my attention. So during this presentation, the very first presenter stumbled through their words and immediately looked at the heavy that had been brought into the room to advise everybody about their words. He looked right at me. I just smiled and he kept going. When another person asked a question mid-presentation, I wrote the question down and they got an answer once everything was finished. And every time the client, the person who actually pays me to be in the room, looked back at me, he saw me seeing his team. Later, he thanked me. He thanked me for paying attention to his people. He, no, no words of wisdom. He didn't thank me for being clever or smart or good at my job. He thanked me for paying attention to the people he's been entrusted to lead. When someone came into the meeting to get my attention, because they'd been calling and texting and I wasn't looking at my phone. <laughs> Friends, there are features on your phone that will make it impossible for you to put your phone face down and anyone ever get in touch with you. It won't vibrate, it won't beep, it won't jiggle, it won't alert, it won't, won't flash, nope. And I had done that. And so I didn't get any of the texts or calls. And I apologized to everyone in the room and told the person who needed me that they were next after this presentation. It wasn't an emergency. So then I made a note to get up with that person. Then I went right back to watching and listening and being silent. And when the meeting wrapped, I shook hands and thanked the people and I cleaned up with them and I answered anything I'd written down. I bet I said 15 words during that presentation. 10 of those words were because very funny a photo of me pops up in the presentation and someone's trying to make a joke. The joke made me laugh. So I made a joke at my own expense. 10 of my 15 words were me laughing at me. After the meeting, I got messages of gratitude from everyone there. 
but the one new guy, the guy at the beginning who stumbled through his words at the start of his presentation, that guy. So once I worked through everything I had to catch up on, I called him. I told him I thought he'd done well. He got more words from me than everyone else did all day. But I have a confession. I'm not that good of a leader. I'm an all right speaker. I can spin a tail. But I'm not the greatest leader. If I was the greatest leader, you'd have known me before Clubhouse. But I've been leaning into silence. And silence has sharpened my listening. And my listening has spurred me on to encourage others, celebrate others, hear others, take better notes, send better messages, answer more missed calls, and recognize that the presentation didn't need anything from me but to be present. They didn't need a boss or a CEO or a brand strategist or a figurehead. They needed a silent leader and for once, exactly what they got. Here's what I'm saying, champions. I get overwhelmed. I get distracted. I get consumed by so many things that I often completely ignore the more important things. Or my most important things get a noisy, distracted Brad. Lots of words, lots of volume, very little intention dismissive comments, rushed, hurried responses. I bring a lot of solutions without ever listening to the problem. How about you? This holiday season is a perfect reminder of the power of silence. And for a lot of us, it's a tremendous chance to embrace a little silence. Grant yourself a 15 minute walk without your phone. Take a longer shower. Sit in the recliner and don't look for the remote just yet. Put your kids down to sleep and go be in stillness. If you celebrate this holiday season, then to you, happy Hanukkah, blessed Kwanzaa, and Merry Christmas to you, my Breakfast with Champions friends. I am incredibly grateful for this Saturday audience. Thank you guys. Great. <laughs>